Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Uh, did you notice something different today? Uh, something maybe a little bit different, obviously, uh, not, the, not just the reality that you have a latte in your hands or whatever you wanted. And by the way, let me just say, I did not know they were going to name one after me. That was awkward. Uh, uh, to drink, uh, you know, like a Pastor Brent, it's kind of strange. Uh, so whoever did that, Pastor Nick or whatever, thank you. Uh, that was just awesome. Uh, so we are so glad you're here. So if you're here for the very first time, you're checking us out for the very first time, I know some of you are, um, thank Thank you for being here on this crazy, awesome day. I will say this, this is not quite normal for Sunday for us. Uh, we've kind of added a few things, doing, done, a, done a few things differently, uh, but we are starting something brand new today, and we're so glad you are here and you're jumping in with us, whether you're in the room or online. And uh, I will say this, even though this is not a normal Sunday, we do at Northridge love to have fun and we love to do these kinds of things. We do these things often, maybe just not every single Sunday, every single week. But we do love to have fun, but we're also really serious about God. We are really, really serious about God. And so uh, today, we're going to jump in. We're going to talk about the word yes, if you didn't figure that out. Uh, the word yes is a very powerful word. And so uh, I was reading an article uh, this last week. And, uh, and in this article, it was talking about how, as a culture, we have moved from FOMO to FOBO. Okay, have you heard of these things? So FOMO, of course, is the fear of missing out. It's where you don't want to miss something. You have to be there, even if you're supposed to do something different, but you want to be there because you have this fear of missing out. And this article was talking about how we've switched to FOBO, which is the fear of better options. This is where we don't commit to something because we're scared another option may come along and we've already committed to the previous one. I should not go here, but I'm serious. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have not accepted that invite to the Super Bowl party yet because you're waiting on what other ones are going to come your way? <laughs> oh, the truth hurts, doesn't it? Some of you are like, I didn't think I had FOBO, but now I know I do. Okay, good. The truth is that FOBO, if you think about FOBO, the fear of better options, and so you will not say yes, you will not commit because you're waiting to see what other things come your way. When you think about it, it is literally the choice that you make to not make a choice. That's what FOBO is. You are making the choice intentionally to not make a choice. To not commit, to not say yes because of the fear of maybe a better option coming along. And so, here was, here's what I want to do today. I want to make a strong case for the word yes. Yes is an unwavering, bold, I'm all in kind of commitment. Yes says, I am going to forsake other options and this is what I'm going to do. Yes says, I'm all in and it means you're saying no to some other things. And so we're going to talk about the word yes here today. Now, uh, I'm going to go through things really fast today. So those of you that like a nice, slow, methodical approach, I'm sorry you're going to be frustrated right out of the gate this morning because uh, I'm going to fly through some things and I want to kind of start telling you a little bit of a story. It's a little bit of the story of our church. So our church, Northridge Church, started with the word yes. It started with yes. Laura and I were the first yeses. God said, we need you to go to Dane County and you're going to start a new church. And so we said yes. And there was this other guy named Craig Raymond who was on staff at the church that I was at at the time in North Dakota. And uh, I asked him to say yes because I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so uh, I asked him to say yes. And he said yes. And wouldn't you know it, the first prayer and the first planning for this church actually happened around Laura and I's kitchen table in our home in North Dakota. That's, exact, that's where it started. And so we said yes, and then we moved here to Dane County, and we started kind of praying and seeking and deciding, you know, where in Dane County should this church exist? And so three quickly grew to eight. Uh, the first uh, two yeses when we got here, thankfully, were my parents. Let me just say this. If you move to an area to start a church and your parents say no to you and your new church, it's a red flag. <laughs> 
So thankfully, my parents said yes, and so that was awesome. And then another couple, you'll see them in the uh, top right corner next to Laura and I, Bogie and Brenda Bogier, they gave up his dream job, they gave up their dream home, and their dream situation to move here to Wisconsin for one year, and they were here for one year and helped us get Northridge going. And then you know what they did? They moved away from here to another state to help start another church in Indiana. They sacrificed their lifelong dream to spend a year with us and then go start another church somewhere else. Amazing sacrifice. Their daughter, Abby, actually did the same thing. So those eight yeses then, as we started making relationships, people started catching the vision, and eight yeses grew to 25 yeses. And we have that bottom picture. That's not all of our launch team, but it's most of them. These are the people that said yes before there were anybody else that even knew they were going to say yes. These are the ones that started from the very beginning, our launch team. Now, yes doesn't just lead to brand new things. This church was born out of the word yes, but it also leads to growth. So I want to take you on a little bit of a journey of uh, history of our church because a lot of people are like, man, look at this. This is awesome, but this is not how it started. So back in the fall of 2011, we started something called Northridge Kids on a Wednesday night, and we opened the doors up. Now, nobody knew us basically, and we didn't know hardly anybody else. But we opened the doors, and we were just praying and hoping that somebody would show up. Seriously, somebody. We need just a handful, like, to make it not feel awkward. And you know what God did? God brought 26 kids through the door in the first night. 26 kids. Blew our minds. Two months later, we had our first preview service. You know how many we had there? 30 people. Okay, just to be clear, that's kind of like Maybe the first like three rows or so, or this middle section, that's it. That's how many people we had in the room on that first preview service in 2011. And then, 10 months later, we started our first weekly services. It's kind of our official launch. We had 125 people. That was cool. Three years later, we started a second service. Because of growth, we had over 200 people. Just three years ago, at Easter, we had 500 people, just, just shy of 500 people. And that has brought us to the point where we've had 12% growth over the last 10 years, which is amazing. God has been really, really good. And by the way, God has done all of that without lattes. <laughs> this is the first time we've had lattes on a Sunday morning. This is a big day. Did you know that God can grow stuff without lattes? Isn't that amazing? And without naming drinks Pastor Brent. Isn't that cool? God has been good, really, really good. In fact, let me take us one step further. Because of all that growth, because of all those things, we have been able to reach hundreds of families and impact hundreds of families. We've been able to reach people through events. We've been able to reach people through blood drives. We've been able to reach through, uh, people through food drives. We've done counseling. We've done uh, Love Week and back-to-school boxes. We've helped frontline workers in the healthcare industry. We've been gifting and, and encouraging people in the schools and in education. Uh, we just started our first supporting our first missionary, global missionary, last year. We just met Brittany last week. We're sending her to a new part of the world. So we have two missionaries out there that we are specifically praying for and supporting financially. So our impact is no longer just local, it is global. And all of this has led to transformation. So we have just under 100 people that have gotten baptized just through Northridge. We have just under 100 people that have accepted Christ, who have given their life to Christ for the first time through Northridge in the last 10 years. Yes leads to amazing things. We've seen addictions broken. You saw some of those stories on cards last Easter. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen a, just an amazing thing happen. We have families in this room that have gotten involved in adoption, have gotten involved in foster care, have changed kids' lives. God has done some amazing things in our church. Now, the question that you might be asking yourself is, okay, good, thanks for the history lesson. We know you're history teachers, so you love that. Uh, let's move on, right? Some of you are like, why are you telling all of this now? What is the deal with this story? Why are we talking about what God has done? I thought we were doing something new. Oh, we are. We are. So why are we talking about this now? Because here's what I believe. 
This is going to sound weird at the moment because you don't even know why I'm saying this, but I believe that today and these next few weeks is the moment where we're going to look back. I believe this. And we're going to say that's where we started and that's where God started to do this big thing and that's where it began. I remember I was in the room. I remember the latte I had. I remember all the yes balloons. I remember. I believe that this is a huge moment that is placed in front of us. So in order to kind of tell this, I want to take you into Scripture for a moment. So I want to take you, if you like to follow along, you can feel free to turn there, but I'm just going to be in a couple of verses. Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And uh, this is a story that God gave to me before we ever decided we were going to say yes. Before we were going to do any of this stuff that I'm about to talk about, before we ever decided this is what we need to do, God handed this story to me and he says, Brent, you need to lean on this story. You need to be praying about this story. You need to be getting into this story because this story you're going to use for something very, very important very soon. Okay, that was last year. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was for our 10-year anniversary. Remember we talked about yes in our 10-year anniversary? You guys remember that? And God said very clearly, we were supposed to do a whole series out of our 10-year anniversary on yes. And God said, nope. I was like, but it's all planned. And God said, no, don't do it. So sometimes the best yes comes from a no. <laughs> and God said, no, don't do that. I'm glad you preached on it on your 10-year, but don't go into the series because you're going to use this later. And so it brings us back to Joshua 3. What's happening in Joshua 3? Joshua 3, the Israelites, the entire Israelite nation, they've escaped from slavery in Egypt. They've been wandering through the desert, through the wilderness. And now they find themselves on the edge of a river, the Jordan River. God has made a promise to the Israelites. And that promise is, over there is your home. It's the land I'm going to give you. It's the promised land. It's over there. It's on the other side of the river. And God said, what I need you to do is we need to get over there to the promised land. And, and the people, Joshua, the leader, and the priests, and all the nation of Israel, they're like, okay, this is great, but there's a big river in the way. And by the way, did you notice that the river is frozen? No, I'm just kidding. It's not. That would only be in Wisconsin. But it is flooded. It's not only flooded, but it's overflowing its banks. It's really, really scary, this river. And God says, I need you to go over there to the promised land because I'm promising that land to you. I'm promising you a home. And so what God does is God goes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I need you to gather the priests. I need you to gather your leaders together. And I want you to get the leaders on the edge of the river. And then the whole nation of Israel is going to line up behind them. And when I say line up, we're talking about a million people. Okay? The nation of Israel is about a million people at this point. And so the leaders are going to stand on the river, and then the million people are going to be kind of behind you. And then this is what I want you to do. God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a few steps. Your leaders are going to take a few steps into the raging river. And then I'll show you what I'm going to do. Now, I want to read for you that moment. What happens in Joshua chapter 3? Listen to what it says. Joshua 3, 15 and 16. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan, the Jordan River, was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zerathon. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. There's this amazing moment. How many of you, when you have stepped into a river, have seen that the water starts backing up away from your foot and it keeps flowing on down and it becomes dry in front of you? When was the last time that happened for you? I haven't seen it happen in my lifetime, personally for me. But here's what I believe. Wholeheartedly. This is why we have balloons. This is why you have a latte. This is why we have a mountain in front of us. I'll get to that in a minute. Some of you are like, what's with the mountain? We'll get there. Here's what I truly believe 
God has placed our church in this moment on the edge of the river. Our entire church is at the edge of the Jordan River. And God is asking our church to say yes, to step into the water before He stops it. I truly believe this. I'm not just making this up. I'm not just taking this story and thinking, oh, that's a cool story. What I believe is God gave us this story because He knew this was the moment that we were going to be in as a church where he's going to say, okay, I can do some amazing things. I can stop the water, but I, what I need you to do first as a church is I need you to get your leaders. I need you to get your whole church. I need you to get everybody together. And then you're going to take a step, a huge faith risk into the water, and then I'll show you what I'm going to do. But I'm not going to do it before. Now, I don't know, how, how do you guys feel about that? How, how do you guys feel about God saying, okay, you take the first step of faith and then I'll show you instead of like stopping the water and being like, hey, cool, look what I did. Now you just have to walk across. Can I be honest? If you read out of God's word, what God usually does is God calls people to take a step of faith first and then he says, awesome, now let me come behind you and show you what I We usually have to take the first step. And it's not because God's not powerful enough. Oh, he can. But he wants to know that we're in, that our yes is real before he shows his yes. And so this is the moment that we're in as a church. So when we started Northridge, when we first got to this place, here's what we knew. We knew there was going to come a point in our history, in our story, where we were going to have to stop meeting in a space where we rent it on a per-use basis, the Village Center, and we're going to have to find our own home, right? How many of you have been praying and getting excited and thinking like, man, we need a home for Northridge, right? How many of you have been longing for that? Some of you have been on the launch team since before 10 years ago, and you're like, yeah, I wanted it back then. Because we've been setting up and tearing down doing all that stuff. Here's what I believe. I believe we've come to the moment where it's time to move. But the problem is, we're on the wrong side of the river. That's the truth. We're on the opposite side of this river, and we know we need to go and find our home, and we need to go take it, but we're on the wrong side of the river. And so there's a step of faith that we have to take as a church. So why did the Israelites have to cross the river? Because God's mission, God's purpose, and God's home was on the other side. Why do we have to cross the river? Because our mission and our purpose and our home is on the other side. This is good. I mean, look around. It's good. It's not bad. But God has something even bigger and greater. So, why do we need to cross the river? Well, I want to just kind of give a make a case for that. Because some of you might be like, well, the Village Center is awesome. Some of you are thinking that, right? You're looking at me and you're like, but the Village Center is amazing. I'm not saying it's not. It is amazing. It is amazing. And, and, and the staff that we work with through the Village Center, they're amazing. But let me just tell you that what started when we started Northridge as flexibility and as a huge strength for our church has now become a huge limitation and a liability. I can just tell you that. A lot of this is behind the scenes, but a lot of this might be very visible. For example, let me just kind of go through some of this. There are six main areas that we're being limited in. The one is in our worship space, okay? The worship space looks awesome, but here's a couple of main problems with it. I don't know if you have realized this, but a gym is not the best acoustic place to have to do what we do. <laughs> have you noticed that? <laughs> some of you are like, yes, give me the earplugs, <laughs> I get it. A gym is not the best acoustical kind of a place that we have. Uh, it's awesome, and, it, and it's kind of cool that like, uh, I'm in Lambeau Field. Okay, that's great. It feels that way, but it's not the best. But here's honestly one of the biggest ones. This is, this is actually pushback and feedback that we get all the time, usually from newer people. As you guys know, we're very real about our stories 
and what God wants to do and those things. And so there's a fair amount of times that through our songs and through the preaching and through different, various different things that we get pretty intense and we get a lot of emotion going on in here. Some of you are like, yeah, that's why I bring my Kleenexes. Thank you. But one of the biggest pushbacks, feedbacks that we get from new people is that the gym is intimidating because it's so light, it's so bright, and when we get into that, everybody watches everybody else doing their thing. And you know what? I, I kid you not, this is not every single week, but m- many weeks, as I walk out, you guys know I race to the top of the stairs, right, to the front door. On my way out, there's somebody usually ahead of me trying to get out so that nobody can sees what's, what they've been dealing with. Pretty much, not every week, but most weeks. This is a space that's not built for what we do. Uh, I won't go into all the others, but youth ministry is greatly hindered. Our youth have been really patient. Teens in the room, you already know. The Meadowbrook Center is okay, but it's not great. It's very difficult to do what we do. Kids ministry, Pastor Chris does a phenomenal job, but it's, re- it's getting increasingly difficult to keep it safe and secure with the number of kids that we have over there. If you would hear the volume and the energy level going on right there, right now, you're thankful that she's uh, taking care of things over there. They do a phenomenal job, but it's becoming increasingly difficult. So I, I won't go through all these, but it is becoming a huge issue. In fact, just, just, just reality, what did you guys do this morning that we normally can't do? Because we have to set it up and tear it down, right? We did that. What, how great was that to have all that connection time? We can't typically do that. We did that today, but we can't normally do that. And so we need a space to be able to do that. All right. So, those are our limitations, but what are the things that we aren't doing that we want to do? Let's talk about some of the dreams. So, these are six dreams that we have. These are not the only dreams. These are not the ones that are going to come to fruition immediately when we cross the river and we have our home and this is done, but these are the things we're dreaming about. This is what we're shooting for. Uh, I'll just highlight a couple of these. Obviously, we're talking about place for teens. We're talking about place for kids. Just imagine a space where the kids walk in and everything's on their level right? Everything's on your eye level. Like you walk in and it's right there. You can see it. It'd be amazing. And for the teens that way, uh, these are a couple of things that maybe not aren't on your radar, but we've been dreaming and we've been praying about after school ministry since we arrived here 10 years ago. And wouldn't you know it, this is going to sound strange, but when we talk to community leaders and we say, hey, what is like one of the number one biggest problems in Wanakee? They said, oh, we'll tell you that right away. The first problem is the, the two and a half hours when they get out of school until everybody gets home from work, all the kids go home to empty homes or they start wandering the community and they get into all kinds of trouble. They said, trust us on this. We know. After school ministry, can you imagine the power that that would have? And we have teachers, we have tutors, and by the way, we have people that can lean into kids. It would be awesome. Uh, another one that might not be on everybody's radar is a counseling center. This might sound weird, but let me just tell you, uh, from a pastor perspective, one of the things we lack desperately is not only professional counseling, but simply counseling from somebody who just cares and is willing to spend some time to listen and dig in with you. And one of the biggest problems is having a space for somebody to do that. Because we can invite them into our home or we can invite them into your home, but that's really a big step for somebody to take. Just think about that, to talk about their personal lives. And so we're dreaming about a counseling center where we can dig in, we can do this stuff. In fact, all the time when I come up with somebody that they're dealing with something that they're struggling with, and I know somebody in our church struggles has struggled and has beaten that same thing, you know what I do without telling them their name? I say, hey, I have somebody that might be willing to talk to you. And then I'll I'll get on the phone or I'll text somebody and I'll say, hey, I have somebody that is going through this. I know you've gone through this. You've beaten this. You've had victory over this. Would you be willing to talk to them? And to provide a space, a safe space for that would be amazing. So we're dreaming about some of these things. Now, you might be okay. All of this is great, Brent. I get it. You're try- it seems like you're building to something. Can you tell? we're building to something. And you're waiting for what it is. You're waiting for the ball to drop. You're waiting for it to hit. And you're hoping for something, right? And so this is where I want to kind of go through this. 
So if we need a 24-7 space, if we're going to move from the village center, all that's good, but I told you we're on the wrong side of the river. We have to take step faith in order to do this. We can't just do it. It's not a matter of making the decision. It's a matter of being able to go there. And so let me walk through five options that we have as a church. Now, the reason I'm going to go through these five options is because I want you to know, it's important that all of you know that we have considered all of our options. Okay? Just, we're not just being like, I don't know, this sounds like a good one. Let's do that. These are five options. Okay? This is what we can do to take a 24-7 space. Number one. Option number one is do nothing. <laughs> we could do that. We could just keep doing what we're doing. We could stay here. We could stay in the village center and do what we're doing. Let me just tell you, I think that's a terrible option. It has, it has started to limit us greatly. It has become a liability. And it's, we just don't think it's a good option. But that is an option. That's something that we could do. That's option one. Option two is we could rent a different space like we do here at the village center. We could rent it when we need it. Let me just tell you, we've looked at pretty much every building that exists that would be op an option for that, and there is nothing even close to what we have here in Wanakee. Just, there just is not. We've exhausted this option. Option three. Option three is where we lease a space. We rent a building 24-7. So it becomes our space. We renovate it. We kind of transform it. And we lease the space, but we don't own the building. That's, that's an option. This is a viable option for us. And we've looked at that. We've looked at a couple of different buildings. But the truth is that when we've looked at that, to jump from here to there financially would be a very difficult thing with our current finances. It would just be difficult. Uh, wouldn't have been maybe impossible without some outside funding, but we would have had to do some major work on that. Okay? But that's option three, lease or rent a space full-time. Okay? Option four is, of course, we can find a building that already exists. Um, and, and, and I don't know if the Village Center staff is uh, listening, is the Village Center for sale? I don't know. Totally kidding. Sort of. <laughs> but this would be awesome, right? I mean, we, if we could find an existing building and renovate it and change it and use our construction and all the different things and, and transform that space, uh, and this, this is actually a very viable option for us as well. In fact, I will say that most of the churches that I know that are killing it right now, maybe not most, a large percentage of them that are killing it right now, they are using a building that was not built as a church, but they took it and they put, knocked out the shell of it and they created an amazing ministry space in there. Okay? So that's option four, possible, but also need to take a step into the river financially to do that. Okay? And then... What do you guys think option five is? This is the one that everybody wants. They're like, ooh, let's get to option five. Prize wheel, latte. Option five, of course, is land and put a building on it. Well, here's the deal. We have been chasing that option for the last year. That's what we've been actually looking at, researching, trying to figure out. Here's the truth. We hired Opian Architects. They drew up the building. We figured out the kind of building, the type of building, the size of building that we would maybe need, that we're pretty sure we need. And then we had a construction company that came in and priced everything out. And when I say priced, they did way more work for a very tiny amount of money than they should have for us. They really, really did. Building next to in the room, you guys can verify that for me. They did a lot of work, and they went line by line. They went through all the materials, and they priced this whole thing out. So we have a really good number. Here's the problem. That number is in a slightly different universe than we're in. <laughs> it's true. It just is true. The number was a pretty astronomical number. It was a big, huge number. And we looked at it and we're like, whoo, yeah, that's big. That's a large number. And so what? What does that bring us to? Here, here's what I would love to do. I would love to just show you the picture of the building. And we're like, we're building that. 
and it's going to take this much, and here we go. But here's, here's the honest truth. I believe that that would not only not even really probably be a good thing, I think it would be totally unwise for us to do it. I, I would not have been able to know that and say that for sure just a few months ago. Which is why it was important that we sent out the survey to all you guys and asked what you kind of want in a building. We determined what size of building, type of building. That was all important because it brought us to this point where we realized, mm, maybe, maybe an existing building would be awesome. Maybe. And so here's what we know. We believe that this is the time to take a step toward a facility 24-7, find our home. We know that that's our moment. This is, I, 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 we're still on the edge of the river. And I also believe that we have a home and a space on land where we can maybe build our own building and all do all that. I still believe that that's in our story. I just don't think it's tomorrow. There's a step that we have to take in that direction. In fact, I will say this, and some of you are probably getting it already. You're like, yeah, if you think about any new churches, you know what they usually have to do? Usually God leads them to take this huge step that we're about to take as a church toward a new space that is theirs 24-7, and then they take that space and the equity and all the things that go there, and then that builds into the space that they want to build and they move into later. That's how most churches progress through this. We were just looking at the big dog because God can do anything. Let's dream, right? Let's do it. And so what does that bring us to today? Well, here's, what, here's what we know. We know we have to leap into the river. But the question is, I don't know about you, but I've never led a church to take that kind of a leap. And you guys know what I've said about math and numbers and stuff. And some of you are like, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Pastor Brent's going to tell us about math. It's going to be good. Well, the good thing is, we actually brought somebody into our church. We hired somebody to help us do the math and the science, which is going to be, some of you are like, oh, praise the Lord <laughs> for that, right? Because you know how I am. And so we hired this organization called Enjoy. We actually hired them last summer. When we came up with this and discovered all this stuff, we're like, ooh, this is going to be a tough deal. Okay, so we hired Enjoy, and here's what they do. This is Enjoy's specialty. They work with churches that have to take this huge faith step, this huge faith risk, and jump into a river like we're getting ready to. And one of the main things that they do, this is really cool, they look at, they take all of your finances, they look at all of your giving, they look at everybody and who gives what and all that stuff. By the way, just so you know, if you're worried about it and you're worried that I saw your name next to a number, I haven't seen it. I can tell you that I don't know who gives what. I still don't. For some of you, a lot of you, that's important. I don't. But here's what I know is Enjoy has seen all of that. And they took all of those numbers and they pooled it all together and they put it through all their analysis and all their equations. And they come up with, this is one of the most valuable things, they come up with a low and a mid and a high range of numbers that they think our church can hit if we do a yes campaign with lattes and balloons. No, if we spend a few weeks getting really serious about saying yes to God, this is what they believe that we can do. So I want to show you those numbers because those of you that are numbers people, you're like, give me the numbers, let's go. All right, so these are the numbers. These are not our numbers, these are Enjoy's numbers. So on a low range, they figure we can raise 300,000 as a church currently, right now. That's people in our church. Uh, Mid-range, 450. High range, 600,000. That's what they are saying. Now, here's what's cool about this. Enjoy will tell you this is what math and science says. And Enjoy will even say this, and I will say this as well. We know that God can do whatever he wants to do. Right? But this is what we are, quote unquote, expecting to be able to do. Through this campaign, through this, these next several weeks is to be able to do this. Now, you might be asking yourself in this moment, okay, some of you think, wow, that's a lot of money. Some of you are thinking, those numbers seem low. 
We're, we're all across the board here, I'll bet, in the room today. Regardless of what you think, here's the key to this whole deal. The question I want to ask you today is this. Regardless of that, the important question for each one of us here today is simply, will you say yes? And you might say, well, say yes to what? The answer to that is, say yes to whatever God tells you to say yes to. I'm not going to tell you what to say yes to. Because you understand that in our church, I'm not the authority. Nobody on staff is the authority. You know who our authority is, right? God is our authority. And that's really why we have the mountain here. Because you're like, well, we've been talking a lot about a river. Why do we have a mountain? Why do I see yes with mountains everywhere? We even have a mountain out of balloons, guys. I mean, come on. This is good stuff, right? We, we made a mountain out of balloons. Why do we have the mountain? Well, here's the deal. When, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, here's what we tend to think. We think they crossed the river, God stopped the water, they, they, they did everything they were supposed to do, they stepped in faith, and then they got into the promised land, and then they built the temple, and they hit their recliners, and they turned on Netflix, and they were done. That's kind of how we feel, right? But the truth is, do you know what happened after they crossed the Jordan River? After they took that huge step of faith and God stopped the water? And they're like, wow, God, that was amazing. You know what they had to do? They had to spend the next five years taking the high ground in their promised land. They had to take the mountain, sometimes literally, sometimes metaphorically. And so, just hear me on this. I believe this is our moment as a church where God is asking us all as families, as individuals, and as a church to step across the river, but we are going to take a mountain. Our mountain might be a building that we had no idea was going to come available. Our, our mountain might be a building that we never thought possible. Our mountain, who knows, might be land that God leads us to and says, you didn't know about some finances that I'm going to provide for you. And so you thought option five was off the table right now, but maybe he's going to put it on there. I'm just trusting. I know that this is the moment where we can step into the river and we can take the mountain. That's it. That's what I know. So, how do we say yes? How do we hear what God says? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The way that we hear God is we listen. We listen. And the question is, how do we listen for God? The way that we listen for God is we make some hard decisions. So what does it take if you, if you have like a huge technical mountain in front of you, say Everest or Mount Rainier or something like that, can you just one day decide, I'm going to go climb that mountain? No, you can't. There's no way. What do you need? You need three things. You need commitment. You need to commit to it. You need to sacrifice for it. You need to commit some time, some finances, some resources. And then what's the third thing you definitely need to do? You need to do some training. Right? You don't just go climb a mountain, a technical mountain like Rainier or Mount Everest. You have to train and figure out all the equipment and all the stuff that you have to do. Well, here's what we're starting today. So today we're launching for several weeks a campaign, the Yes Campaign, where we are in training as a church. I'm asking if you're going to say yes to the training, that's it. The commitment stuff that comes at the end, right now will you say yes to the training? And what does the training look like? The training is spiritual. Because here's what I, I, I hope you hear me on this. We, as a church, do not want anybody saying yes to anything until you've heard what God says you need to say yes to. Okay? Whatever that is. Whatever God is saying you want, you need to say yes to, whatever that is, that's what you say yes to. Will you say yes to that? So how do we hear that? 
Well, for the next several weeks, we're going to do a few things. So I have a, a slide here with like some dates. Okay, so obviously we're launching today. Yay, yes, campaign launch, we're here. We've got lattes, we got balloons, we got all that stuff. And by the way, adults, you can use the prize wheel. I think we had one adult. Lori, you used it, good job. She, she, got a, she got a tape measure today, this morning. Adults, you can have the prize wheel. We put mugs and other stuff in there so you can do it. Some of the adults are like, no, I'm too old for the prize wheel. Go do the prize wheel. Have another latte, enjoy it, okay? That's why it's here. But today we launched, we're talking about, yes, we're in, we're going, yes, yes, yes. But then for the next several weeks, we're jumping into a spiritual journey as a church. And this is, I'm going to be honest, like the, the finances and the money and the sacrifice that we're going to make for that, that's going to, be, that's going to be awesome. But you know what I'm most excited about? I'm most excited about the transformation that's going to happen when people get serious about God. When people get, start, get serious and they say, you know, I've been kind of living on the sidelines in my faith. My faith is a part of my life, but it's not really central in my life. That's going to change for a lot of you in these few weeks. And that's what I get excited about. By the way, we're going to have several personal stories every week after this for the next four weeks of stories of people at Northridge when they said major yes to God in a really risky, hard way. And they're going to tell what happened as a result. It's going to be awesome. They're going to hear from four different stories for the next four weeks. And we're going to do this. And so next week, I'm going to unpack this. On Sunday, I'm going to kind of get us ready for a spiritual journey that starts on Monday, February 6th. And so here's what we've done. Pastor Nick has put this whole thing together. He, we have a, a, it's literally a bound book spiritual journey book that's going to go for 21 days. And it's going to be kind of like a devotional. It's going to walk you through different things every single day for 21 days. And then in addition to that, we have a spiritual commitment card. Now, you're not going to turn any of this stuff in today, but you will turn it in next week. Uh, and, and we're going to go through this. So we have all these different things. In fact, let's go to the spiritual commitment card. I know I haven't gotten to the other dates yet, but let's go to the spiritual commitment card. This is really cool. So you're going to get one of these in a swag bag as you walk out. So if some of you are like, man, you went through those slides really fast. I didn't get to read it. You're going to get all of this in print in a bag as you leave. So some of you are like, oh, okay, good. Because some of you were taking pictures and all kinds of stuff. I get it. All right. You're going to get all of this in print and a lot more, by the way, a lot more detail than I was able to give today. So this is going to be something that you're going to see next Sunday, a spiritual commitment card. And on there, you can see there's, there's an option to do like full-on big deal fasting. And you know what original fasting is? It's giving up all food. Uh, how many, anybody in here like food? <laughs> I love food. I, I, it's a hard thing to fast for me. I'll be doing it, but it's a hard thing to do. But we're going to have fasting. Now, if you're like, man, I've never even thought of fasting. <laughs> I've never even considered it. And we're all in different places. You can jump in at your own pace. Okay? We have a whole bunch of different levels of, of fasting. We have prayer times. We have different things. You're going to be able to jump in. And I'll unpack all of this better next week. But we just want you to come prepared, ready to start this journey, this 21-day journey on Monday, February 6th. And we're going to do this all together. And guess what? The reason why we're having you turn in these cards is we're going to track all this and they're going to report all of this. Did you see that March 12th is our reveal Sunday? We're going to report everything that God did on Commitment Sunday, the 26th, when we bring our sacrifices financially. And on the 12th, we're going to kind of report that number. We're going to report everybody who did everything. This is how much prayer we did. This is how much fasting we did. This is how much, probably some life stories. We're going to report that. It's going to be our reveal day. Okay? And by the way, I believe, Pastor Nick, confirm this, we have a spiritual commitment card in the swag bags, I believe. Correct? Good. I got a thumbs up. Awesome. Just want to make sure. I know we talked about it, but I just didn't see that. Okay? So you're going to get a swag bag. You'll have the spiritual commitment card so you can keep thinking about that. You don't have to worry about bringing it back. We're going to have more here on Sunday. But the question is, will you say yes to listening for God and what he's calling you to do. Now, 
Let me end with a short story. I know I've thrown a lot at you. David Cook, 1985. David Cook starts something called Blockbuster Video. Opens his first store, Blockbuster Video Store. Can you see it on the blue with the yellow letters? Some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are so young in here, you're like, I've never even heard that name. Okay? Blockbuster Video. So David Cook in 1985 started Blockbuster Video. He started by one store. The next year, he opened, it was going so well, he opened three more stores, and some major investors realized he had a huge, amazing, successful model, and so major investors financially got involved. And Blockbuster grew from three stores that first year to the next year, so three years, 1988, three years after he opened the first store, you know how many stores they had? 800. They went from three to 800 in the matter of just over a year. 800 stores. They became the largest video chain store in the U.S. in a year. A couple years later, in the 90s, they hit 6,000 stores globally. They went beyond the U.S. and they went global. By the way, I didn't know that. Did you know that Blockbuster went global? Be kind, rewind. (laughs) Remember that? And then, a few years later, 2004, I think it was, they hit 9,000 stores globally, and they had made $5.9 billion, not million, billion dollars in revenue. Things were going really well. Now, here's why I bring that story up. When was the last time you saw a Blockbuster video store? Most of you who have kids in here have never even heard of a Blockbuster. Okay, this is really cool. There's actually one left. One. You know what it is? It's an Airbnb. (laughs) Seriously, you can book it and stay overnight in a Blockbuster video store for the nostalgia value. That's that's what it is. It's in uh, Bend, Oregon. I kid you not. You can look it up. It's an Airbnb, right? Uh, We've got a couple uh, from that part of the world, and they're shaking their head. They're like, yep, that's true. (laughs) It's an Airbnb. Now, here's why I bring that story up, guys. This is really, really critical. Some of you are not sure yet. And the reason you're not sure is because the Village Center feels really awesome and comfortable. Look around. Things are going really well at our church. We're growing. By the way, Enjoy did the financial numbers, and there's five categories. One is like your toast. Five is like your exponential growing. You're, you're bringing in so many people and so much money you can't even handle it. We're in number four. We're in the rapid growing category. It actually surprised me. I knew we were doing well, but we're doing really well. That was their analysis. That's not us telling them anything. Hear me on this. Sometimes the hardest risk and the hardest step of faith to take is when things are comfortable and things are going well. I truly believe if we don't take some of these huge steps of faith while things are going well, eventually we will go the same direction as Blockbuster did. I mean that. I do. This is our moment. Sometimes the hardest risk to take is when we're comfortable. The Ville Center is very comfortable. We know what we're doing. We can, did you know we can set this up in an hour? You do not understand how many cables are running around and underneath this stage. It's comfortable. It would be easier for me just to do this for the next 10, 15 years. But that's not what we should do. And so the question I have for you is, will you say yes? 
Did you know the tragic part of the story of the Israelites crossing the Jordan River? You know what the tragic part about it was? They were actually supposed to do that story in Joshua chapter 3 40 years earlier. You remember that? There was a moment they sent the spies in. The spies came back and they said, there's no way. We can't do this. We should not do this. Let's stay where we are. Let's stay comfortable. And you know what God had to do? God forced that generation to wander in the wilderness until they all died off. I'm not joking about this. They all died off, and then when the last one was gone, God said, the next generation has enough faith to take the land and to go for their home, and so now we're going to go. The question I have for you is, are we as a church going to have enough faith to take this step when God is asking us to? I believe we are. I believe we will. And I think we've said it like everywhere around the room. The answer is very simply, yes. Will you say yes? Will you jump in with us? These are going to be exciting, exciting days. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, sometimes saying yes is the hardest thing to do. Saying yes to prayer, saying yes to fasting, saying yes to sacrifice financially, saying yes to even come to a new place, like a new church, like many of uh, the people in here, this is their first time, they're, they're brand new, they've never been here before. Sometimes saying yes to that is so difficult, God. But today we are, we are ready, we are on the edge of the river, God, and I believe you have placed us in this spot as a church and you are asking us to take those steps into the water so that you can show us what only you can do. And so if there are people here that are wondering, if there are people here that have questions, if there are people here that are ready to take that step, but they're scared, they're not sure, they're not, they don't know what this means, God, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage and the faith to realize that once they take the step, you will show them the next few steps and you will show them the path and you will reveal the next things and you will show where the mountain is that we are going to take. But God, first... We need to listen. We need to listen for the yes that you're calling us to. So God, give us the faith to take the step. Individually, as families, and collectively as the body of Christ, the church. Help us to say yes, ultimately, more than anything, to you. We thank you, God, for the depth of faith that you call us to to step into deeper, scarier waters, to deepen our faith. Help us to do it. We pray this in your name, Jesus.